Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative. I'm to this guy for wisdom. At this moment in America, I, I, I genuinely think, I'm telling you, this is the most united Americans have been in a very long while. That's not something that I'm really happy to say, given the circumstances. But it's just an interesting point to note, because there is not a Democrat or Republican or an Independent, there is not an American in this country today who can look at what is happening in Afghanistan and can say with any amount of conviction, without believing it at all, that this is a good situation. It is indefensible. There are are 40,000, they believe up to 40,000 Americans stranded in Afghanistan. The Taliban is going door to door, hunting down American citizens or otherwise friendly Afghanis to the American cause that fought against the Taliban, that fought with American forces, and what do you think they're looking for them for? You think they're just going to say hi, to sell them some flowers, to give them some poppies, invite them into the the new drug business that's going to be booming in Afghanistan? No, they're going there because they're going to execute them. This is Drew Allen. It's great to be with you today. I push this podcast episode. Usually I do one a week. And uh, usually it comes out on Wednesday. But I'm pushing this one forward because I've got a lot to say. Things that I haven't heard other people say. Things that just must be addressed. Perspective that I feel like is much needed right now. Did you watch the, uh, the Biden speech? Have you seen a more disgraceful man... American president in your lifetimes? I certainly haven't. I mean, at a critical moment in American history, the man disappeared, hid, went on vacation, and he had to be dragged out. He didn't voluntarily come. He didn't rush out to address the absolute, total, utter collapse of Afghanistan. No, he had to wait. He's, he's not running the country. That's the first point I want to make. You know, if this, of course, had happened under the Trump administration, which it absolutely would not have happened, but if something like this had happened, Trump would have been the first one to set the press conference, to demand the press conference, to get everyone to, together, to lead, to address the nation. He would have rushed to the microphones to talk about this, to fix this. And what did Joe Biden do? He went on a vacation. And the press said, well, you know, we don't know when he's going to come and, you know, give an address about this. You don't know when he's going to give an address. He should be the one rushing to address this problem. And anyway, I, I could not watch the speech, to be honest with you. I, um, you know... We'll get into, of course, COVID again later. There's absolute more insanity going there, but we're going to stick with Afghanistan for a while. 
Because this is an important issue. It is an issue that his presidency will be remembered for. And this is not only dangerous in terms of what it means in the immediacy for those Americans stranded and for those Afghani allies over there. Yeah, that's dangerous and their lives are at risk. And I'm telling you, people will die. They already are. They're already being executed. It's as if 20 years was for nothing. But this also has broader implications because it's going to be dangerous outside of Afghanistan. It's going to be dangerous for the American citizen going forward in the future. And in many ways, the situation with the Taliban taking over Afghanistan, they occupy more land than they did on 9-11. And not only that, but we have emboldened, emboldened enemies around this nation, whether it's China or Iran or Russia who want nothing more than to supplant America as the predominant superpower in the world that are now looking to ally ally themselves with this new Taliban government. But I watched Biden. He's so feeble. He's so feeble. Wander towards that podium. It was a 10 foot, it looked like 10 feet from off stage, wherever the door he came from to the podium. And he's got that mask on his face, that dirty, filthy face diaper. And he pulls it off his face as he gets to the podium for the cameras. This theatrics, I'm so sick of it. He's so weak, he's been projecting weakness since the beginning. And this is just, it's, it's truly beyond the pale. But I did listen to the beginning of the speech, and and I'm going to play what I was able to get through before I turned it off, stopped listening, and don't worry, I did read the entire transcript of the speech, so I am informed on his speech. And in fact, I had a piece that came out in American Thinker today about the speech and about what's happening in Afghanistan. And the title of that piece is Biden is Dishonest, Delusional, and Dangerous. These are the new three D's, I'm calling them, of the Democratic Party. Dishonest, delusional, and dangerous. All right, I'm going to take one short break. When we come back, I'm going to play the only segment of Biden's speech that I was able to listen to before the lie right out of the gate forced me to turn it off. All right, this is Drew Allen. We'll be right back. Here we go. We're back. Let me play the clip that ended my listenership of that pathetic, disgraceful speech from Biden addressing what's happening in Afghanistan. My national security team and I have been closely monitoring the situation on the ground in Afghanistan and moving quickly to execute the plans we had put in place to respond to every constituency, including and contingency including the rapid collapse we're seeing now. I'll speak. There's the lie out of the gate I'm talking about. Yes, he and his military advisors plan for every constituency. I mean, contingency. That's the word, Joe. Contingency, not constituency. Every contingency, including this rapid collapse. Well, I want to go to another clip. You tell me if it sounds like they were prepared for every contingency. 
Because I'll tell you this right now, that's a lie. This is the one contingency, of course, that they were not prepared for at all. And I doubt they were prepared for many other contingencies either. And I'm going to light him up in a second. I've got more to say about it. But I want to play this clip, and I'll talk over it as I play This is from this morning. John Kirby, the spokesperson for the Pentagon, this is who you're going to hear questioned about what they're doing to get these Americans who are stranded in Afghanistan out. Now remember, Biden says, we plan for every contingency. Let's see how that plan is unfolding. Right now, things are moving out of the airport, and again, our focus is on making sure that continues. Well, hold on. Let's go what back. Here we go. the plan to get these people to the airport? The, there's, first of all, from a military perspective, John, our focus is at the airport, right? Uh, security and stability at the airport so we can keep operations going. We're working hand in glove. So there he goes uh, off the bat. Well, our focus is on the airport. That was the question. What are you doing? Uh, but uh, again, that's something that we're going to be doing on a case-by-case, day-by-day basis. Right now, though, uh, I don't want to set the expectation that uh, that we are equipped and, and, uh, and able uh, to go out into the countryside and physically move people in. Oh, some contingency. Right now, the troops you didn't know there were American citizens the over there that you had to get out? Get that, uh, the air operations, not only have they resumed, but to keep them in place for as long as possible. If they can't get to the airport, what does it matter if you have the capabilities to get them out from the airport? Great question. And John, I understand that. And we all understand that the security situation in Kabul is not ideal. Uh, right now, the airport not is ideal. open. Uh, and people are able to get through uh, through the gates there. There's a, there's a processing process that actually has to occur. Uh, but right now, things are moving out of the airport. And again, our focus is on making sure that... Well, how can they get there if they're hiding from the Taliban? This is absolutely outrageous. Biden just gave the speech, lied to the American people, and that's why I turned it off, because I knew there was no contingency, and I didn't need to even hear it this morning from John Kirby that this was a disaster and was not planned for. Because back in July, CNN even ran a story in which they said, for example, here's some pool quotes from that July 8th article, all right? Now we're a month later, August 17th, all right? So this Full removal of troops just took place. But back on July 8th, CNN says, here's the headline, Biden defends pulling U.S. out of Afghanistan as Taliban advances. Here's some pull quotes. Biden resisted pressure from military leaders to maintain a troop presence. So here we go as well. Are you ready for this? U.S. intelligence services, military commanders, and members of Congress have all warned that the Afghan government won't be able to stand up to the Taliban without the backing of American firepower. They warned him. The hasty drawdown has coincided with major Taliban gains and a growing fear that without American military support, the Afghan government will collapse. So, this contingency plan that he, he did not make, well, this is the one that he was warned about to begin with. This is the most incompetent imbecile to occupy the Oval Office in American history. And there's something else important to mention, too, that I wrote about it in my piece in American Thinker. Because, look, I know there's a lot of talk. Some of you may disagree with me on certain points of this. All right, people are saying, oh, well, it's the Afghanis' fault. Look how they didn't fight. Okay, you have a point to make there. 
But we did not prepare them for this either. Because when we first started pulling troops out, uh, the, the, those individuals, the Afghani commanders who were to take over operations in light of the Americans leaving, well, they weren't even told the Americans were flying out. As a matter of fact, those individuals at the Air Force Base about a month ago, when the first troops abandoned, turned off the electricity suddenly at the base, they didn't learn until after the Americans had left. They were not told the American people were leaving in advance. They learned because they woke up and the electricity was off and the Americans were gone. Is that some way to treat the Allies? These people that have... Do you... More Afghan people have lost their lives in the war against Al-Qaeda and the Taliban than Americans. They have risked their lives as well alongside the American soldiers. And this is how we treat them. Surprise, we're gone. And this is why I, I was fed up with this speech. Because I'm looking through right now this transcript again. And there's a point where he says, when I hosted President Ghani, now listen, President Ghani is no longer the president of Afghanistan. He fled, of course, okay, because the Taliban's there. But he said in his speech, oh, Biden had the audacity to make this claim. When I hosted President Ghani and Chairman Abdullah at the White House in June, and again, when I spoke by phone to Ghani in July, we had very frank conversations. We talked about how Afghanistan should prepare to fight their civil wars after the U.S. military departed. Well, that doesn't sound like a very frank conversation because the Afghani individuals and commanders who would be tasked with fighting this civil war that was to come after we left, they didn't learn. You did not tell them, frankly, Biden, that you were even leaving them in the dust. So that's outrageous as well on its face. You know what else this uh, reminds me of too? It brings me back to the fake January 6th insurrection. There's a point to be made that is a parallel between these two events. Of course, on the one hand, we have, of course, a real insurrection, which is the Taliban insurrection taking over Afghanistan, seizing the government there. And then, of course, none of that happened on January 6th. But here's the parallel that's worth noting, remembering, and preaching in the future as the left continues to push forward this outrageous lie that January 6th was an insurrection. Because just like Biden was warned and told in advance by his military advisors that this would likely take place, well, Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, Congress, Biden, they were all warned in advance that something could get out of hand on January 6th. And just like Biden, with Afghanistan and his lack of contingency, he did not take action. He did not Listen, he resisted pressure from them to have a troop presence, maintain a troop presence. 
And of course, they resisted the same advice on January 6th to increase a Capitol Police presence or have a police presence in general there. It was business as usual. And so Biden is to blame for Afghanistan. Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and the Democrats in Congress are to blame for January 6th. That is the only parallel because, again, I want to make it clear January 6th was not an insurrection. But let's play another clip. This is the great communist news network, CNN, the one that the left gets all their news from, who lies to them every day, and they continue to go to them as their official source of journalism. But here, remember how they covered January 6th. It's an insurrection, white supremacy. You know, it was the darkest day in American history. Our democracy was threatened. They compared, you know, those non-insurrectionists to domestic terrorists. They compared the event to 9-11. It was so bad, so horrible. And yet, let's hear how they talk about the Taliban. This is CNN on the ground. I believe it's in Kabul. A reporter wearing a hijab. This is what she had to say as the Taliban sat behind her with guns in their hands. They're just chanting death to America, but they seem friendly at the same time. It's utterly bizarre. At the pro- Oh, they're just chanting death to America, but they seem friendly at the same time. Even though they just took over the official government buildings. They've taken over Afghanistan. They're in the process of going door to door and carrying out a murderous vengeance against, well, people who oppose the Taliban, searching for American citizens to kill them, to behead the women. And you know, it's what's amazing because you can look at this same reporter. I forget her name. I don't care what her name is. She isn't, isn't worthy. It's not noteworthy to even mention her name. She's just another putz at a CNN who's lost. She's a fool. But, you know, there's a, a, she reported in the past before this event took place, and she did not have anything covering her head because that's the progress that was made in, tal- in, in, in Afghanistan. And now she's got the full garb because she knows, she knows that if she doesn't, well, there might be consequences because the Taliban, Taliban, are radical Islamic extremists, and they wouldn't tolerate that. She might find herself beheaded on the street. And of course, the media ran to her defense saying, she's so brave, she's so brave. Her, her comment was taken out of context. It wasn't taken out of context at all. That's how these quote-unquote fact-checkers work. They just lie. They say what we heard, we didn't hear. What we saw, we didn't see. And so that's how CNN covers the Taliban. And you know what? What this amounts to The Democratic Party hates America, and they hate Americans as well. America last. Americans last. And I'm fed up with it. And all of you people who voted for Joe Biden, shame on you. Shame on you. That you bought these lies from the, the leftist propagandists that Trump was so bad, so terrible, so evil that you voted for Joe Biden. Because the reality is, you know where I stand about the 2020 election. I've written about it extensively. I compare it to the stolen election of 1876. There was definitely funny business happening. I mean, even Pennsylvania was unconstitutional. 
They did steal the election in Pennsylvania through unconstitutionality with Supreme Court interference in that state. But you know what? Even for all the cheating that took place and the fake ballots and so on and so forth, there never should have been enough Americans who were willing to vote for Joe Biden to even make it a possibility. They could have, they could have cheated 10 million times. And there's, that shouldn't have even been enough to put Joe Biden in the Oval Office. And that's the reality that we have to confront. But it's also been announced, by the way, this is what the Democratic Party and the Biden administration think of the American citizen. They are not prioritizing. They've announced they are not prioritizing American citizens over Afghanis or anyone else to get them out of Afghanistan. They are at war with America and the American citizens. Our own government is at war with the American people. Their sacred duty and obligation is to defend Americans. And they are not even prioritizing protecting Americans who were left stranded behind because of Joe Biden's absolute incompetence, the way he left. And of course, you know, here's the other thing. We talked about how Joe Biden and the Democratic Party are dishonest. But they're also delusional. And that was indicated time and time again also in Biden's speech. He claimed the buck stops with me, and yet he didn't say anything to take responsibility for what's taken place. In fact, he blamed Trump. He said, oh, well, you know, this is a, you know, Trump put this in, this kind of, this was his policy getting out of Afghanistan. You know, I want to say something about that here now too. Biden has made it clear from day one that his sole aim was to undo every single policy that Trump had put in place. It was to undo the Trump presidency. And now suddenly this is the one policy that you don't want to undo, that you can't undo. I mean, for God's sake, they already violated the Constitution with that continuation of the eviction moratorium. The Supreme Court said as much, it's not constitutional. So they violate that. Nothing ever stands in in their way of achieving their insane totalitarian ambitions, but this is the one thing that he couldn't undo. But that's not even the point, too. There's another point, and that's this. It's the execution of it. It's the execution of it. And you, Biden, not listening to your military advisors. This is on Biden's shoulders and Biden's shoulders alone. And he should be impeached for this. Americans will die because of this. The world is less safe because of this. Our future safety is now, well, it's precarious because of this decision and the way he went about this. So don't tell me this was Trump's policy. And don't tell me this is the Afghani people's fault. It's not the Afghani people's responsibility or their government to get American citizens safely out of Afghanistan when you decide to pull out the rug in the middle of the night and sneak out. A 15-year-old could have understood this better. A 15-year-old could have ran this operation better. A 15-year-old could have seen and said, hey, we should probably get all the Americans out 
because it will collapse. We've been told it will collapse. So let's take care of that, and then we'll get out. There'll be no Americans left. But what did he do? No, he just hurriedly left. You had Afghanis hanging on to the belly of a plane. Many of them fell to their deaths in this rushed SH you-know-what show. There was no contingency for this whatsoever. He should be impeached. He should be impeached. If we lived in a moral society with moral, upright, principled individuals in Congress, both on the Democrat side and the Republican side, there would be impeachment papers already drawn going through Congress, and he would be sitting before them answering for this incompetence, well, and for causing death. This is Duran. We'll be right back. We're going to move on to some other things that uh, are taking place in this country, of course. We will probably circle back. I mean, Jin Psaki is on vacation. Heck of a time to take a vacation, don't you think? So she won't be circling back. But I will take on the mantle of Jin Psaki, except actually I'll display some form of intelligence and actually circle back and answer questions and talk about things. But, you know, Biden, not only did he take no initiative to answer for this debacle, the greatest military debacle perhaps in American history. But he was forced to come and deliver a quick press conference, took no questions, and then he quickly went back to his vacation. The reality is Joe Biden cares more about his ice cream than he does the tasks, duties, and responsibilities of being the president of the United States. He puts more thought into which ice cream flavor he's going to eat on any given day than he does, well, saving American lives. And this is not an important issue to him. Um, you know, who cares that the Taliban has just taken over? Who cares that... Iran and China are now cozying up to make allies with our enemies, the Taliban. Because, uh, well, you know, that's not a concern. The Department of Homeland Security just the other day, just before the Taliban takeover, by the way, which is ironic in its timing, well, they issued a series of new terror threats, not based on any actual threats. That's their words. They said... They issued a, a series of new terror threats. They weren't based on any actual threats that have taken place. Just, you know, willy-nilly, this is just what we're saying. This is how the country is governed these days. So if you're opposed to COVID measures, well, you're a domestic terrorist threat. If you claim the 2020 that there were instances of election fraud, well, you are a domestic terrorist threat. If you... Well, as, as we approach the 9-11 anniversary and religious holidays, well, those are ripe for domestic terrorism in America. Domestic terrorism remains a threat priority. Not the Taliban, not Iran, not China, not Russia. No, no. People who 
believe in liberty and oppose this tyrannical government that we have not seen in our history since 1776, well, we who embrace the Declaration of Independence, we who embrace the Constitution, we who, who believe in unalienable rights and support the contract between we, the people, and the government, well, now we are domestic terrorists in this country. This is how sick and depraved the Democratic Party and the Biden administration are. This cannot continue. Great damage has already been done in just eight months. And this nation can't last under this type of governance anymore. And of course, their focus still on COVID. COVID. I wonder where COVID is on the list of priorities and fears for the Afghani people and Americans who are seeking shelter and hiding from the Taliban who are knocking on doors coming to murder them. I'm sure COVID's right priority number one on their minds. Um, New York has now instituted lawful discrimination. They are now preventing unvaccinated individuals from being active participants in society. The unvaccinated in New York are like the Jews of Nazi Germany. Second-class citizens, at best, and only through getting vaccinated can they enjoy their unalienable rights. This is becoming more and more prominent in this country, and frankly, too many American citizens and business owners are going along with this. And I want to tell you something. You Americans and you business owners who embrace this tyranny and discrimination are as vile as those who are doing it from the government. In fact, you're worse because we could put a stop to this tomorrow if we would just resist. And the time has come for the R word, resistance and revolution. I'm not talking about violence, but revolution's in the air. I'm saying the word. You know it's out there. And that's what's necessary at this point because this government cannot last. This nation cannot last like this. And it's time to fight back. Because this is the moment in our history, well, that it's time for our generation to step up and defend America and Americans. And I am encouraged by many vaccinated individuals who say, I will not go along with this. I will not go along with this. I've been vaccinated. That's my choice. But I will not do this to the American citizen who has not been, unva who has not been vaccinated. I will not go along with this. But they continue to use covid to control the American citizen, and that's what this is about, and that's why I get so angry about it. And frankly, every American should be upset by this because this is not America. And this does not end well. So New York's doing this. Only if you're vaccinated can you participate in society. San Francisco's doing it. It won't be long until it comes for you as well. And I want to deal with Fauci as well, because Fauci is back on the uh, old campaign trail, pushing lies and deceit again. This guy should be in prison. He should be in jail, never to see the light of day again. And he's out there continuing to encourage this type of behavior. And he's out there signaling like he always does what is to come. You can listen to what Dr. Fauci says and know 
what the policies that are coming out are going to be. Here's the headline. Are you ready for this one? Dr. Anthony Fauci, expect a flood of COVID-19 vaccine mandates after full FDA approval. So there you go. We know the FDA is going to approve this. I honestly don't even know why they haven't approved it already. I don't know why they didn't just approve it, you know, four months ago. Because none of it's based on science or anything else otherwise. I mean, it's been political. I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to make some anti-vaccination speech here. That's not what this is about. If you've listened to this program and you understand me at all, I'm a constitutional conservative. I am pro-choice when it comes to the vaccine. But when I say unscientific, I mean... They haven't been scientific with anything, with the mask wearing, with kids wearing masks in perpetuity, and on and on. And so, you know, the FDA, my point is, I mean, they're just like the CDC. I mean, they just do what they're going to do, so why even wait? But anyway, as soon as they get FDA approval, uh, then uh, businesses and the government are going to push, you know, full steam ahead with, well, creating legal segregation in America. So here's some of this from a USA Today editorial. Uh, well, Fauci did th this interview with the USA Today's editorial board on Friday, okay? And this is what he says. Organizations, enterprises, universities, colleges that have been reluctant to mandate at the local level will feel much more confident. They can say, if you want to come to this college or this university, you've got to get vaccinated. If you want to work in this plant, you have to get vaccinated. If you want to work in this enterprise, you've got to get vaccinated. If you want to work in this hospital, you've got to get vaccinated. These people need a good, swift kick in the rear. These people think they are, well, they can tell you and I how to live our lives. And they can punish us if we don't do what they, they want. And that's really what this mandate of vaccination is about. You know, I've often wondered, you know, why in the face of everything we know in which this is, it's a flu, folks. It's a flu. That's the truth. And we don't mandate flu shots. So why is there this push to take away our liberty and autonomy and force us to do something against our will? Why? Why are they doing this? It's because they want to defeat the American spirit. They want to prove to you that resistance is futile. They want to send a loud and clear message that you cannot oppose the government. The government is your master. And if you resist us, as I said, it's futile because we're going to make you do it. We're going to force you to bend the knee. Your rights aren't unalienable. Those days are long gone. This is the new America the new totalitarian America, in which, once again, you petty little disobedient American citizens are our servants, and we're your masters, and you're going to do what we tell you to do. And so the American citizen, if they can get and mandate and punish you and make your life so miserable that against all of your own convictions, do this while you're defeated. You're bending the knee and you're broken. And that's what this is about. This is about breaking the American spirit and setting a precedent that in the name of health and safety, in the name of climate change, in the name of any greater good, well, your rights aren't unalienable.
You have to do as they say. Now, I want to play Dr. Fauci back in January. Let's see. Well, before I do that, let's read a couple more pull quotes from this because it's, it's illuminating about this evil man, and I mean that. He's evil. Tony Fauci. He talks about going back and looking back and a retrospective of, of, you know, where we've come with all these lockdowns and so on and so forth. The rationale, he says, for shutting down was that the hospital system would not be able to handle the surge of cases because everybody was getting sick. Okay, we remember this, but then it changed, right? Now the rationale for forcing vaccinations is that, well, nobody can get sick. Nobody can get covid and yet we know that's not true anyway, because in Israel, with the 90% vaccinated adults, they still have cases. Here, here's, the, here's, here's, here's kind of a subheadline: Lies, mistruths, and death. Though he's attacked online and in conservative media every day, Fauci said he worries less about himself than for the nation as a whole. What a piece of work. This self-congratulatory pathetic. I mean, it's so arrogant. Oh, I don't care if I'm getting attacked. I'm doing this for the greater, for the nation as a whole. What sacrifice Fauci's made. The highest paid bureaucrat in our government. Oh, yes, yes. He's not looking out for himself. How much stock does he have in these pharmaceutical companies? Here's the quotation from Fauci. This is a dystopian world we're living in, he said. The public is awash in lies and misinformation about COVID-19 and the vaccines, he said, and they are being misled. He is the misleader in chief. No one has misled the nation more than Dr. Fauci. You know, before I go on with this, I want to play. There was a time when Dr. Fauci was a sane human being, and that was in February of 2020. Here's what Fauci said. Here's what Fauci said. Remember this. Never forget it. Sear it in your minds. This is Fauci. Dr. Fauci, coronavirus, of course, has been in the news so much. People are worried. Should they be worried? Are they worried unnecessarily? And what, what should they be doing? No, I, I don't think people should be frightened. I mean, uh, the, the risk right now, today, currently, is really relatively low for the American public. But that could change because what's going on outside of the United States particularly, obviously, in China and in other countries in which there are travel-related cases, that this could evolve, and I think would be unrealistic to deny that, this could evolve into a global pandemic, which would then have significant implications for us. So although we don't want people to be worried now, I think we need to realize that this could change. So right now, don't worry about it. Be more concerned about influenza, which is going into a second peak for the season, than coronavirus, but keep in mind that the coronavirus situation could change, which is the reason why we're taking it very seriously, because it could be a substantial threat. Right now, we're in the, still in the middle of, of the flu season, and for flu, you get vaccinated, you wash your hands as frequently as you can, you avoid crowded places where people are sneezing and coughing. That would help protect you against influenza. And if and when, and I hope it's more if rather than when, if we get substantial coronavirus here, those kinds of typical, simple public health measures could help protect you against coronavirus. People wearing masks now is just not relevant. You don't need to be walking around with a mask right now. Masks, quite frankly, are more important for people who are infected to prevent them from infecting someone else. So what changed? Honestly, 
That's Fauci back in January of 2020. Now, I understand the science changes, the science evolves, and so on and so forth, but viruses are viruses. The common sense that we have acquired over generations in how to deal with these illnesses has not changed. And so Dr. Fauci's advice back then was, don't be afraid. Look, we have the flu, we have things, just common sense. Wash your hands. Don't enter rooms with a ton of people where you might get sneezed on. And definitely don't wear masks. Wearing masks is absolutely stupid. It doesn't do anything. Masks are for the infected, all right? Now, what the infected would be, would be doing, using common sense going into public spaces, I wouldn't know anyway. But, of course, it's happened in our history, certainly. Someone with the flu, well, they need to go to the grocery store. They go to the grocery store. They sneeze. I don't know. They get the flu, the influenza somewhere, and somebody picks it up. I mean, that's just how it works. And that's the case with COVID. And that's the most sane we've ever heard Fauci sound. But how can a man say that and now be supporting forced vaccinations and alienating an entire segment of the population on the basis of their vaccination status? A man who says, look, there's nothing to fear. Wash your hands. Just use common sense. And definitely don't wear masks. And now this guy says kids have to wear masks. Vaccinated have to wear a mask. Unvaccinated are the problem. Everyone has to get vaccinated. But then there's a Lambda variant, and we're still going to be sick. Now we need booster shots. This is never going to end. And of course, our future, if we don't start to fight back, is going to look like New Zealand, and it's going to look like Australia. Now, in New Zealand, there has been one reported case of COVID. And so they're shutting down New Zealand because of one positive COVID test. Do you understand how absolutely insane that is? And New Zealand, of course, has been one of the most insane countries in the world in terms of their dealing with COVID because they haven't permitted people to leave and haven't permitted, permitted people to come. They've been one of the most totalitarian nanny states in the entire world with regard to COVID. And now they have one reported case and they're shutting down New Zealand. I guess it's not so insane because we did much of the same with more cases, but nonetheless, we shut down. And now Australia is like a penal colony. Okay? Those people have no rights whatsoever. They also have no guns, by the way. Unfortunately, the Australians gave up most of their guns to the government in the gun buyback program. And so, of course, they are unarmed and at the mercy of the police state that has now become Australia. It's absolutely, well, it's inhumane. It's unconscionable. But that's what happens. And in Australia, they're telling people not to remove their masks when they drink. You don't believe me? I want you to listen to this. 
This is, uh, this is an individual. I'll clarify afterwards. But I want to play this clip. This is what's happening in Australia for all of you to understand. Okay? There will be no removal of masks to consume alcohol outdoors. So you will no longer be able to remove your mask to drink a cocktail uh, at a pop-up beer garden on a footpath uh, as part of a pub crawl. The VCGLR and I understand Victoria Police are looking at what occurred over the weekend at a number of licensed venues. There's been reviews conducted into the terms of those licenses and whether any of those license holders have done the wrong thing. So there you have uh, Premier Andrews, piece of garbage who should be quartered. Well, in a, in a, in a just world, in the olden days, this individual would have, at the bare minimum, uh, been tarred and feathered. This is the leader of Australia, Premier Andrews. He's so upset. People are violating his rules, apparently, by, I don't know, enjoying cocktails with one another. But nonetheless, you heard what the man just said. Listen to the way these people talk to the citizens of countries. This man, Premier Andrews, listen to the way he talks to the Australian citizen. There will be no removing the mask when you drink from cocktails outdoors anymore. This guy's not anybody's dad. He's certainly not mine. He's certainly not these Australians. And they shouldn't tolerate this. They need to have a revolution in Australia. They need to have a revolt in Australia. They need to storm and have an actual insurrection in Australia. And I'm not mincing my words. I mean that. This son of a gun is condescending to the Australian citizens, talking to them like he owns them, talking to them like they are 12 years old, and they've committed the great crime of living their lives. They've committing the new, committed the new crime of drinking adult beverages, and this must stop because there cannot be a single COVID case in the world tomorrow. Folks, we have to end this, and we can end this tomorrow. But this is America as well. This is happening in New York. This is happening in San Francisco. These are our brothers and sisters who are being treated this way in our own country. I mean, what he just said, and you heard in that audio, is not any different than the way de Blasio talks to New Yorkers. And we will be talked to like this as long as we allow them to talk to us like this. They will speak down to us until we tell them they are not permitted to speak down to us. They don't have constitutional authority to, to do this. This is not found in our laws in our country. And yet they do it because we allow them to do it. They do it because we obey them. I'm not obeying anymore. And I don't care what people say. I am sick of this attitude of go along to get along, trying to keep the peace. I'm not going to live my life as a slave in this country because the Constitution protects me, not them. They're violating it. And it's time we all recognize that and use our voices and stop accepting this new slave state that they want to put us in, okay? That's our responsibility. And so anyway, I just look around me, and I'm just stunned 
Really am. I am stunned at how many Americans are just, I, I don't understand it. They're willing to accept this from the government. They're willing to just, okay, well, they said to wear a mask, so I'm going to wear a mask. What authority do they have? Are we so ignorant and dumb and dumbed down that we just do whatever we're told by the government even though we have our own rational minds and common sense that tells us it's stupid? I don't know. I don't know. I've got some final thoughts to close out the show. I'm going to take one more break, short break, and when we get back, we'll close out for uh, this program. You know, I, uh, this is Drew Allen. We're back to close out here. Um, well, you know, people often ask me, you know, can we survive this? Uh, what can we do? We feel hopeless. We feel powerless. I, I understand that. Believe me. Believe me. Um, this Afghanistan stuff just is like the icing on the cake or the cherry on the sundae, if you will. The utter incompetence, the utter danger that this nation is in because of amoral individuals in the government. But, you know, to have perspective, look, this is a dangerous time in America, no doubt about it. And look, we are not going to get through this unscathed. We're already scathed. And... I don't mean to tell you this to make you feel uh, hopeless, because I'm not hopeless. I'm hopeful. But, you know, in American history, you know, let me say this about America. What's remarkable about, remarkable about this country is its people, its citizens. You, who are listening to me right now, you are what makes this nation, great. But look, we fought a civil war to right the injustice of slavery. That was a painful, painful period in our history. But it had to be done. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting this in perspective to say that we need to have a civil war right now, okay? Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm just trying to tell you contextually that Americans have always risen up when called upon to do the right thing, to fight to preserve this country because we understand how wonderful it is. We understand what's at stake. And we have been unwilling to let this nation fall into totalitarian darkness. I mean, when the light this beacon of light and hope for the world starts to fade, we always rise up and reignite that flame so that it shines bright again. And it's brighter and brighter every time. And so we're going to come through this, but there is no Superman. We are Superman. We are the only ones who can right the ship and preserve America, okay? But we can't look to anyone else in government to help us and save us because look 
I hate to tell you this, but the government is now pretty much wholly consumed by amoral men and women. Uh, You had a group of students petition Amy Coney Barrett in an emergency petition. Amy Coney Barrett, of course, who was a Trump appointment to the Supreme Court. She's Catholic. We all fought for her. We defended her. And she has proven to be, well, a letdown certainly, but uh, amoral and classless as well. And I'm sorry to say that because I defended her too. People disappoint us. It happens in our personal lives. And unfortunately, it happens in the uh, realm of politics time and time again as well. Well, she single-handedly refused to accept this case, to hear this case at the Supreme Court. The case I'm talking about is a group of students in Indiana at a university who were petitioning her to hear a case to get rid of the vaccination mandate at their university. In essence, discriminating. You know, these students are right. The threat posed to them by the vaccine is greater than the threat the COVID virus poses to them. That is to say that the COVID virus poses no threat to a young, healthy, 18, 19, 20-year-old young man or woman. And so this university is discriminating against the unvaccinated, making their lives intolerable, forcing them to get essentially weekly testing for COVID while the vaccinated aren't required to do that, just like what's happening in New York. And Amy Coney Barrett refused to hear the case. So we can't rely on these individuals to save us. You have to step up. I have to step up. We have to step up together and put an end to this. Okay? Remember, slavery persisted, for example, as long as it did, and segregation as well. Lawful segregation, right? Blacks weren't allowed to dine in white establishments. Blacks weren't permitted to be, well, a fully accepted class of citizens in American society until the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Why did that take place? Well, the government said it was lawful. Those in government, those amoral individuals, allowed it to persist. They supported it. But so, too, did businesses go along with it. And we're getting to a point now where we need a new civil rights movement to fight back against this. And it's not going to come from the government. It's going to come from us. And there are tens of millions of us, and we have to band together and fight back. Okay, so it's time for us to answer the call. I'm willing to do it, and I hope you are, too. But I want to end with something here uh, from a man you might be familiar with. He uh, was a president of the United States. His name was Abraham Lincoln. Now, roughly 20 years before the Civil War, he was in his late 20s, and he gave a speech. It's called the Lyceum Address. I come back to this address time and time again. I read it time and time again because he essentially predicted the Civil War. And he also provided a means of avoiding it. Of course, that means was... Well, his voice and his warnings were not heeded. But this is what he says, just just a, a short segment, okay, from this address, the Lyceum Address. I know 
the American people are much attached to their government. I know they would suffer much for its sake. I know they would endure evils long and patiently before they would ever think of exchanging it for another. Yet, notwithstanding all this, if the laws be continually despised and disregarded, if their rights to be secure in their persons and property are held by no better tenure than the caprice of a mob, the alienation of their affections from the government is the natural consequence. And to that, sooner or later, it must come. It must come. That's revolution, folks. That's revolution. And he goes on. I'll read one more segment for you, okay? The question recurs, Lincoln says, how shall we fortify against it? That's the danger that may be expected. The revolution. How do we fortify against it? The answer is simple. Let every American, every lover of liberty, every well-wisher to his posterity, swear by the blood of the revolution never to violate in the least particular the laws of the country and never to tolerate their violation by others. As the patriots of 76 did to the support of the Declaration of Independence, so to the support of the Constitution and laws, let every American pledge his life, his property, and his sacred honor. Let every man remember that to violate the law is to trample on the blood of his father and to tear the character of his own and his children's liberty. Let reverence for the laws be breathed by every American mother to the lisping babe that prattles on her lap. Let it be taught in schools, in seminaries, and in colleges. Let it be written in primers, spelling books, and in almanacs. Let it be preached from the pulpit, proclaimed in legislative halls, and enforced in courts of justice. And, in short, let it become the political religion of the nation. And let the old and the young, the rich and the poor, the grave and the gay, of all sexes and tongues and colors and conditions, sacrifice unceasingly upon its altars. Now, I'll end with that. How shall we fortify against it? Well, it's the American citizen's responsibility to demand allegiance to the Constitution and the laws of this land, to demand morality. Look, we've heard often the Great Awakening, things like this. I think many of us are waking up. I think many who voted for Biden are also waking up. It's time to stop conceding. It's time to cease acting like the silent majority. There's too much at stake. Look, we are in a world of trouble, and it is going to be painful. But we, the people, have a responsibility to defend this nation. We, the people, have a responsibility to defend and preserve this nation. And so we have to make up for lost time. We can no longer be tolerant of amorality. We can no longer be tolerant of situations like what's happened in Afghanistan. We can't live and let live anymore because living and letting live 
is to our detriment. Okay? So, we can't rely on anybody else, but this is fine. Fine in the sense that, look, we're wired for this. We're built for this. We aren't victims. We have it in us to fight back. We have it in us to stand tall. And don't be hard on yourself. Don't look at the mirror and say, oh, what could I have done in the past? What, you know, don't point the finger either at other people. I'm 34 years old. I didn't cause what's happening in this nation, myself. These things happen. As they always happen, and as have they always happened in this country and other countries. But what's unique about America, of course, is that we don't permit this because we, we rise to the occasion. So let us rise to the occasion again. And I want to ask you a favor. Not a big favor, okay? I'm not a big favor guy. I don't need a lot of things from other people. I don't care about that stuff. But in terms of this podcast, okay, I've been doing this for a little while now. If you're new to the show, if you want to reach out to me, you can email me at email at drewthomasallen.com. Email at drewthomasallen.com. Or you can go to my website, drewthomasallen.com, and I think you can fill something out there and contact me. But I want you to go, do me a favor, go to this, go to this podcast, wherever you're listening to it. If it's on Apple Podcasts, for example, just give it a review. Write a review. Hopefully you'll give it five stars. Somebody gave me four stars the other day. I want to know which one of you gave me four stars. Here I am pouring my brilliance out every day. Not every day, once a week. Is that why you gave me four stars, by the way? I don't know who you are. You're anonymous. But somebody gave me four stars, and I'm offended by that, frankly. But anyway, I'm kind of kidding. But um, we're in this fight together, and I just want to tell you that, that, that you all mean the world to me. Uh, I don't do this for myself. I could sit and talk in a room by myself all day. I would be insane uh, to do so. But I do this because uh, I, I hope that I, I, I hope that one of you listening, you know, I hope one of you listening maybe is in my age range. It doesn't really matter what your age range is, but my, my, my reasoning for doing this and getting involved in this fight was because I felt like, look, this is our fight. You know, millennials are smack dab in the middle. And uh, it's really our turn to fight for this country. And, you know, I'm not going to win this alone. There are many people speaking out and talking about it. There are many podcasts out there. Okay? And that's fantastic. The more, the merrier. But it's been my hope that I can encourage someone else. Or, or you know, maybe, maybe people don't feel confident Hopefully I'm saying things that you think about, that you agree with. Maybe you don't agree with me on everything, but hopefully I'm saying things that you say, wow, that's, uh, that's something I've been thinking for a long time, but I haven't been willing to say it or I've been afraid to say it. Look, I live in communist California. I'm in the bastion of, well, hell, frankly, okay? Let's just be honest in terms of where the country's headed. And I'm not afraid to speak out, and you shouldn't be either, Okay. So anyway, I do mean this sincerely. You know, this is a community. We're a family. I look at you and the American citizens around me, even those who are Democrats and communists, you know. They are our brothers and sisters. 
And so I encourage you to reach out to me, all right? If you need something from me, you let me know. And if I can help, I'll do it. That's what this is about, okay? Um, I want to make myself available. But anyway, I just want to thank you again for listening. And as we say on this show, until next time.